Welcome to That's What She Did. This is one of your hosts, T, along with Michelle Talbert, and we're coming to you every day during the month of March to bring you these stories of inspiring everyday Wonder Women that you've probably never heard of. So grab a mimosa and buckle in. We're about to begin. Hey, Michelle. Hey, T. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I am awesome. Awesome. It is a first episode, first day, day one. I'm super excited about our journey about these incredible women we're going to be talking about. Me too. I'm really excited to tell you about our first profile. So her name is Annabelle Hernandez. You ever heard of her? I sure have not. Okay, so I am going to give you a quick down and dirty intro with a little quote, and let's see if you can guess. <laughs> okay. okay, so Annabelle Hernandez is an investigative journalist, mom, and lifelong badass. Now, she is credited with saying, a journalist who has to walk with bodyguards is an embarrassment for any nation. Wow. What do you think? Uh, I think that should be interesting given that we have the orange person in the White House <laughs> who wants to do military parades and, you know, calls every news that isn't Fox News, fake news. Um, yeah, real interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought that this story would be relevant, very yeah. timely today. So Annabelle Hernandez is an investigative journalist from Mexico. And she's known as, the, as Mexico's lead investiga investigative journalist. So let me give you a little bit of background before we get to why. And she's, she's a big deal. Yeah. And it was interesting the way that I just kind of stumbled upon her a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, wait, who is that person? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> right, right. You had to go looking for her, of course. Yes. We're not going to hear about her just on everything. No, you, which you should have. It's amazing to me that people don't really, generally outside of Mexico, don't really know who she is because she's a badass in many different ways. Um, she's actually known internationally for digging into and breaking huge corruption stories. Wow. So, so uh, Annabelle was born in 1971 and she wanted to be a lawyer which was fully supported by her parents and as she got older around about the age of 18 or 19 she happened to be in san francisco and this was around 1989 and there was an earthquake like some big earthquake in 1989 and she was there and she was so impressed by the work and the coverage that the local journalists in San Francisco gave to that story and the, the way that they were so caring of the subject matter and the way that they reported it, that she decided then and there that it was her life's calling to become a journalist. And not just any journalist, an investigative journalist. Like she was like, at that age of 18 or 19, she was like, I'm going to dig in <laughs> to the underbelly of society and figure out like what the hell is happening here. Wow. Right. So she goes home. She talks to her dad and she's like, dad, I'm going to be a journalist and not a lawyer. And that did not go over so well. Wow. So her dad is like, what? 
<laughs> is that even a profession? What? Are you, my sister wouldn't appreciate that. She's a journalist. <laughs> she's the journalist that's how I yeah he was he was salty about it wow. and apparently he told her that journalists uh was an occupation for bums her words wow yeah and um women who became journalists were prostitutes that's crazy yeah so apparently, so I had to do a little bit of, of research around that because I was like, I have never heard a journalist being <laughs> compared to a sex worker. Why would you even do that? So apparently in Mexico in the like 70s and 80s, journalists were known for their corruption. They were, yeah, they were regularly paid off. They, they wrote what they were told to write. They were just pawns for whoever was in power at that time. That makes sense then. And I can't imagine the pressure of a young Mexican woman from her father being like, absolutely not. But this just, I think, goes to show you how much of a badass she is. Even at a young age, she was like, Dad, I love you, but I'm doing it. <laughs> my life, right. Right. So she went on and... Um, and at the age of 21, so this is about 1993, she started at this newspaper called Reforma in Mexico City, where she was from. And it was this brand new paper where the owners of the paper decided that they were only going to take brand new young journalists and they were instituting very strict rules because they wanted to have a marked difference between their paper and the way journalism was handled in the rest of the country to that point. So they were tough. They were like, you cannot accept a single peso for, from anyone for any reason. You will be fired immediately. Um, they wouldn't allow their journalists to accept anything material or otherwise from anyone who was in a government office, not even coffee or soda. Wow. Like, not a drink. They said that if you're meeting with someone, they can offer you a glass of water, and that is it. <laughs> Not even a bottle of water. You're yeah, probably not even a bottle of water because we were like, they're like, we don't know where that bottle of water came from. It's, it's got to be tap. <laughs> so Annabelle talks about how those standards were so rigorous that it just, she held herself to a really high standard. So even after she left that paper and later on down the road, she maintained those standards. But she stayed with, with uh, Reforma for I don't know, three or four years, I think she said, until she had her first child. Um, and that, and, you know, she was doing some kind of smaller stories, but she had already, as a young journalist, started to build a reputation as hardcore. Like, she was going to go deep, and she was starting already to call out stories of uh, corruption. So she has her first baby. She leaves that paper, goes to a different paper. And at this, so she gets, <laughs> so the government, she's doing her job, right? She's right. uncovering these stories. And they're kind of smaller stories of corruption in Mexico City. And she ends up getting the attention of the president's office, mm -hmm. which is not a good I thing. So. <laughs> so the president's office, and I don't know who it was, um, Oh, it was, I'm sorry. So this was the time that uh, President Vicente Fox was coming into a, to office and he had just gotten elected and she 
uncovers that as soon as he got elected, one of the first things that he did is he used public funds to extravagantly redecorate his private residence. Of course he did. <laughs> like, like, oh, like, I don't know in what universe that that's okay. And she was like, absolutely not. I'm telling everybody. Yes. So she writes the story and the newly elected president, Vicente Fox, is like, uh-uh, this girl got to go on lockdown. So he, his people go to her paper and they put her freeze. She was not allowed to publish anything that she wrote. It didn't matter if she was writing about the weather right. <laughs> or like, you know, whatever. They were like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were like, not, no. If, it's, wow. if, if your name is in the byline, it doesn't get published. Wow. And then one of her managers came to her and said that if she wanted to stop, stay at the paper, that she was going to have to stop writing about the president and his administration. And she was like, peace out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she takes off and um, she's just, she's, you know, doing kind of her own, her own thing, going to writing. I think she was writing freelance at this point is what it looks like. And she starts to dig into this story about um, more corruptions, particularly around the presidential administration and, and about the relationship between the president and um, growing drug cartels in Mexico City. So um, around, you know, the heat is getting turned up on her. She's, they know that she's writing a book about this corruption and folks are not appreciating it. So around 2000, the heat really gets turned up on her family. Mm -hmm. And uh, she gets a call from her mom one day on, on December 5th of 2000, telling her that her father had not come home the night before. Mm. Now, the, her family immediately begin to search for him. They, they're going to the hospitals. They're calling everybody. They're doing all of the things that you would do if someone you love was missing, right? Mm -hmm. And they can't find him. So they put a call out on the local radio stations asking, you know, saying, hey, we need your eyes. Tell us if you've seen my father. And then uh, someone called and her family and said they had found her father's car. Mm. So they, her brother goes to where the car has been found and inside the car, they found one of her father's shoes mm. and the trunk of the car was stained with blood. Mm. They had no idea what happened and uh, the police weren't doing anything. But by that night, they were informed that her father's body was found lying on the side of the highway in a suburban area outside of the city. Mm. The police told her and her family that they would not investigate unless they were paid. Wow. Yeah. They refused. And she ended up having to hire bodyguards for her protection from, that, from then on out. Till this day, she, when she's in Mexico, she still is accompanied by bodyguards. Wow. Yeah. And even that horrific event didn't stop her. Like what's so impressive about her is that she is a truth teller, yeah. right? And she is going to tell the truth because that's what she does. So does she feel and does the family feel that her father was killed because of her activities? They think, the best that I can find is that they think that there's a connection, but they can't, there's no way to know for sure mm -hmm. because no one was ever apprehended. Of course, it came at a time when she was, 
writing stories and, and, you know, speaking truth to power and and saying like, this is not okay what you're doing. And so is there a connection? It's kind you know, I'm in my opinion, of course, but does anybody know for sure? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. So now what happens with her? Cause she's a mom, right? Cause you already said she at least had one kid when she left Reforma. So yep. what is she doing now? Like how did, cause she's alive. I mean, she's alive. Yeah. So she currently lives in Berkeley, California, Berkeley area. I don't know if she lives there exactly, but she's in California completing a fellowship on investigative journalism at UC Berkeley. During this time, I mean, she's never stopped being active, never stopped being badass. She's written eight books at this point. Yeah. Um, And after her father was murdered, it didn't stop her. Um, She released, she spent the next five years um, investigating and writing a book called Narcoland, the Mexican drug drug lords and their godfathers. Mm. Um, It's, I think it's the only of her, one of her books that was translated to English, but it's hugely popular. It's sold over a hundred thousand copies. Um, And it dives into not only the corruption between the government and the drug trade in Mexico, um, but she's also telling the story of, of how many journalists have been killed since the drug war began. Wow. Now, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. And, and this is where, like, this is how I became aware of her a couple weeks ago. So I was sitting on the couch one night <laughs> and I was like, I'll watch me some Netflix. Right, right. And there's this Netflix series called Dirty Money. Okay. And so I'm- I pull it up and I, you know, I like true crime stories. Um, I like when the bad guys get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I like that. I tend to root for the underdog, but I really, really cannot stand corruption and, and, you know, like people downtrodden on the, on the poor and the vulnerable. So I was like, oh, I could probably get into this series. So I scroll through. I don't start at the beginning. I go straight to the episode that um, is, I think it was called Drug Bank or mm. something like that. I was like, what is that? And it's the story of how HSBC, the huge global banking giant was caught more than once laundering money for drug cartels out of Mexico out of Mexico mm-hmm. and how this whole war on drugs ac- according to Annabelle's research and writing is essentially total bs and so this book that she releases is about that and she dives into how the banks <laughs> have been laundering money american banks American banks have been laundering money, how they got caught more than once. And because of the financial crisis in the United States, the U.S. didn't do anything about it. They gave them a pass. They basically said, you wagged a little finger at them and said, you better not do that again. And they said, okay, (laughs) and went about their merry way. And so in this episode, Annabelle has a she's interviewed in it for just like a kind of a short little snippet. And I was like, wait, who is, who right. is that? Enough to pique your interest. Yeah. So I wrote her name down and then I, I went, after I was done, I went and Googled it and all of this stuff came up and I was like, holy, right. hell, like, why is, you need to have a documentary about your life. Right. <laughs> just a couple seconds on somebody else's documentary. You know, what's interesting about that is exactly what you're saying. It's like you find these little nuggets and these gems 
sort of secondarily tertiary, tertiary, yep. even a word. Um, and you have to follow the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking in terms of her agitation of government officials and sort of what's going on within our own country, especially with regard to Mexican nationals and folks who are Mexican residents who are here, it's very interesting because it has to be scary for her as well mm-hmm. to think that, well, I'm persona non grata in Mexico. And obviously we have these issues here in the U.S. as well. And again, she's a mom. You know, I keep coming back to that as a mom, um, what must be going through her head where I'm going to speak this truth, but I do know that I am risking it all literally to be able to speak this truth. Absolutely. And I think she's acutely aware of what she's risking because as I was re- you know, researching her, I couldn't find her on social media. Like she doesn't have a website. She doesn't have, she's not on Twitter. Like I thought all journalists were on Twitter. Um, nothing. And I, my guess would be that that's for her own personal protection because how easy it is if you follow someone's Instagram or Twitter feed to figure out where they are. Geolocation tracking. And yeah. All of that. And, and she talks about how when she, even today, when she goes to Mexico, she's, she's got guards around her all the time. And as she was releasing one of her latest books, she, she was in Mexico for an event um, where there, it was like for a journalist or something. And, and she, there was hundreds of people there and her security came was like, you got to go now. And they pulled her out um, because they, people were coming for her. You know, her home in Mexico had been, had been broken into several times um, they found that, you know, there were security cameras all around, that the security cameras had been disabled. Um, there's been several incidents of dead animals being left on her doorstep. And, you know, the threats continue to happen because she continues to tell these stories and not only exposing the corruption that's happening within her own country, but showing the ripple effects of that and how it's all connected. Like, you know, like the the war on drugs and and the cartels don't get as powerful as they are without help. And the U S has played a a role in that, a very big role in that. Um, And, and she's like, I'm going to tell this story. (laughs) And what I think is interesting. I mean, I don't watch these shows, but like Narcos and things like that, we have a lot of shows that sort of, they, they glamorize that cartel life Mm -hmm. and all of those pieces so they may show killings and murders and things like that but much in a la the godfather and scarface i still think that there's a there's a scintillating factor that it's still something to aspire to right and this is a very real story of the other side of that that Mm -hmm. really serious implications for trying to get these cartels and and stop the proliferation of drugs whether in the u.s or mexico um, and across the borders but then again how deeply it goes in terms of money and power and it goes deep i mean just to kind of give some broad brush strokes around how bad this problem really is. And because I think in the United States, we only hear very small snippets of that story. And it's all about immigration. And we got to stop, you know, these drug dealers from coming in and and da, da, da. But it's, it's, yeah, that's one piece of it. Um, but it's much, much deeper than that. So just some quick facts is that um, because of this war on drugs happening in Mexico and all the corruption along with it, Mexico was second only to Syria where 50,000 people were killed in 2016 by an ongoing war. 
second only to Syria. Yeah. Uh, active war zone. Since 2000, 100 journalists have been murdered in Mexico. And 23,000 people have been killed amid the country's ongoing so-called war on drugs, as Annabelle characterizes it. Say her name again, her full name? Annabelle Hernandez. So for our listeners who are tuning in to hear about these badass women, what's the one thing you would hope that they could take away uh, about Annabelle Hernandez's story? She's so courageous. I mean, how many people would stand up to drug cartels and governments when they are actively and consistently threatening your family and have probably murdered your father and have made the situation such that you have to flee your country and go live somewhere else just to have, you know, relative safety. Um, And so I would say for for women, especially somebody, maybe a young woman that's thinking about becoming a journalist, you know, I think these are the kind of mentors that you seek out, somebody that is about speaking truth to power, that is about finding the truth and doing the work, right? And being so committed to their purpose that they are unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. And, you know, when it comes to these issues of corruption and drug cartels and stuff, Annabelle is the go-to resource. She's constantly being interviewed about these things and from wherever she is in the world. And, and so I would, I would say, you know, whatever your purpose is, you find that purpose and you double down on it, honey, and you go. And it might be hard, but I think Annabelle is an incredible, courageous character that, that shows anybody, whatever their purpose is, that you walk in that purpose and you're going to do good. I love that. Oh, thank you. This was really enlightening for me because I honestly had never heard of her. And I'm totally impressed and discouraged as well a little bit in terms of, you know, how far we still have to go Mm -hmm. to fix what's wrong um, in a lot of ways. But hopefully shedding the light will help to rule out the darkness. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's an incredible story. It is, you know, there's a piece of that story that is enraging almost. Um, I'm also kind of sad that I can't find her on Twitter because I was going to be like, girl, like, can I buy you a drink? (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to connect with Annabelle again, she's, she's not really on the internet unless she's, you know, making an appearance somewhere, but you can support her by going to amazon.com and buying one of her books. There's eight of them. (laughs) So go check it out. Annabelle Hernandez. She will not be difficult to find on Amazon. And that's what she did. That's what she did. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Join us. Tune in. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye. You just heard an episode of That's What She Did, bringing you stories of incredible women doing incredible things. Make sure you join us again tomorrow as we bring you the deets on another everyday Wonder Woman to inspire you on your journey. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Oh. And make sure you share it with your friends. Spread the love. Bye.